Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I recognize the importance of interim steps towards my end goal. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. We're doing a topic today which is close to Jane's heart, but I mean, everyone's going to relate to this because it's actually really cool. It's about whenever you look at someone who's got it all together and they just seem perfect and it actually almost overwhelms you before you can even start and people come in and say, yeah, to get here, you just need to do this. And you think, how am I going to do that? Exactly. And it's about the fact that so many of today's health educators and motivational speakers and life coaches and gurus, they do actually forget that a lot of them have been doing this shit Years, right? I've been doing it for years. That was the SNF word in one sentence. And they forget about how many little interim steps that actually need to be taken to achieve some of these levels. You don't necessarily take your average suburban (laughs) mum by the hand and expect her to be at the level that a lot of these gurus are promoting. You know, in 15 minutes, of course, we're Westerners, so we want the Band-Aid cure and we want it in 15 minutes, but you're buying a dream. You're not buying a reality. That's why diets fail. That's why lifestyle, health, news, resolutions, all these things fail because we've got to chunk it down, Jane. Exactly, and it is chunking it down that's so important. And I think this applies to every single area of your life. Um, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the four intelligence. We'll just recap that you've got your IQ, your emotional intelligence, your intellectual intelligence, your physical or body intelligence, and your spiritual intelligence. So IQ, SQ, BQ, and EQ. And I felt that when you're choosing to work on one of those areas, you know, we go for the end goal of this is what I want to get to, and then we madly get all motivated and we research and we get some expert that tells us do this, do that, blah, blah, blah. But so often these steps are, in my opinion, too big. and I have been really struggling because I've got access to some of the most amazing or we all have access to some of the most amazing gurus. I'm really struggling with finding the right people to follow, to be inspired by in certain areas that are actually able to guide me from kindergarten through to graduating high school. And then I know exactly where to go to get from high school to a master's. But where are the teachers and coaches for the first levels? They seem to have disappeared. Now, maybe this is my world that I'm living in. It could just be unique to me, but I suspect that other people are finding the same thing. And so I chose to do some interim steps. I chose to put some steps in place that the gurus would say, you shouldn't do that. That's really bad for you. But the kindergarten teacher would go, that's excellent. You're moving in the right direction. At least you're doing something. You're moving in the right Don't direction. Don't beat yourself up. Exactly. And I have felt like I've had a breakthrough. And I feel that there's this missing piece in everything. So as I started to explore this, so for example, this is me about wanting to, as I've, I've shared so many times, I struggle with my physical body. But I feel like I've had this shift and I want to share it because I know I won't be alone in this. And it doesn't matter whether you've got this beautiful physical body, you might be having struggles in other areas. Maybe you're wanting to set a business up because I found as I explored this in other areas, it was apparent everywhere that 
you know, you want to set up your own business. And then the, the gurus are saying, well, you need to learn how to do internet marketing first. And that's going to take you, you know, cost you 50 grand to do. And it's a 12 month thing and blah, blah, blah. And if you don't get good at that, your business will fail. Or somebody's saying, if you don't spend the next two months writing a 50 page or a hundred page business plan, your business is going to fail. You know, all of those things are true at some point in your journey if you want to move into mastery. But they're actually not true if you're wanting to move out of kindergarten into junior primary. And so finding the tools and steps to be moving towards your goal and feeling really good about those. So on my eating side of things, what do I want? I want to be completely clean eating. I can't get from where I am now to where I am there. That's going from kindergarten to masters and I can't do it. So I found something that's an interim step that is working for me so well, but I know it's an interim step. It's not where I want to be. I'm not staying at this level, but it's reducing a lot of the rubbish that I was putting in my body um, and increasing a lot of positive things that are going in my body knowing that that is giving me a shift where I believe this is doable. I actually believe it's doable. Whereas I've tried going from what I was doing to full paleo or what I was to wheat-free or what I was to um, full organic vegetarian or whatever, and it's setting me up for failure. So I want to talk to people, encourage them to look for what are the smaller steps that you can put in place that are leading you towards your end goal, but make you feel really good and excited about it because you know it's better than what you were doing yesterday. Mm. I know over at the Wellness Guys, you know, um, Dr. Brett Hill talks about this very well because he has written a book called How to Eat an Elephant. And of course, the answer to that riddle is one bite at a time. And it's, it's linked in with the Japanese philosophy of Kaizen which they use in business, and it's really cool over there. So kai means change, and zen is good and peace and calm. So it's change for the better, but it's this idea that big results, the big results, the big shifts, whatever that you're looking for in your life, come from many small changes accumulated over time. So it's just like a little bit, little bit, step by step, little bits of continuous improvement, little nudges, little nuances, little details, keep adding in. And to that end, people, if you want to start making changes, why don't you do yourself a favour and begin with one thing that you can't fail? Exactly. You know, and so for an example of something that you probably couldn't fail, like you might have heard me a few weeks ago saying, could you meditate two minutes every two days while you're in the shower? I'm sorry, nobody could fail that. Like everyone has a shower. Everyone can do two minutes. Or you might say, could you add, not even every day, let's just say three times a week, could you add a fresh piece of fruit or vegetable extra to the meal that you're eating? I love this because this is what I actually chose to do was add instead of take away. It's one of the and actually powerful. it's interesting that you talk about Dr. Brett Hill because I actually had a great mm. conversation with him about this because he's also written a ebook I think about running. He's um he's a very uh, he's a really great fitness guru. And I was saying, you know, I just struggle. Now for an ex dancer that's quite funny. You know, you would think I'd be really great at physical, but I'm just not. And so we talked about just going for a meditative walk, which I started doing, and I loved it. And it wasn't about a power walk. It wasn't about exercise. It wasn't about getting my heart rate up. It was a baby step for a toddler that's going, I'm just going to go out and just say hello to the world for 10 minutes. And I'd go around this little block. And then I went around two blocks. And then I went around those two blocks, but in half the time. 
And then I went around four blocks and the time got longer and the distance got longer and the energy got stronger and my body felt stronger. So it is giving yourself permission to have these tiny steps. And if you do it right, you'll actually start to crave it. Well, I do. I've hit that point. That's what's bizarre is that after so many years of, of really hating it, I actually crave it now. Mm. And if something happens to interrupt my routine and prevents me from doing it, I'm a little bit unhappy. You miss it because your, I body, do. your body misses the endorphins that it's bringing yes. you. You can retrain yourself into anything as long as you don't bite off more than you can chew. Be realistic. Do this one favour to yourself, people, and don't try and start at the expert perfectionism level. We, we seem to And that's, that's what I'm seeing is the habit. That is the, the thing that's happening now. It is. You know, we watch these biggest losers shows, you know. Who has however many weeks that they're on that show or months or whatever mm. to do nothing but have a personal trainer that's there to guide you and a dietitian and, that's right. and a psychologist and everything else? We don't live in that world. And we, you know, from a journalist's perspective, you know, we laud these amazing sporting heroes or actresses or singers or whoever is in the public eye. What you very rarely get to hear about is the shitty, long, boring struggle that saw them getting to that point. And as a journalist, I have been lucky enough a few times in my career to be with these people and get the chance to ask them a little bit about those days before they were it's famous. It's fascinating, isn't and it? Then just like you and I and often worse versions. They they grew up in poverty or they had to be a busboy for 15 years in Hollywood or, you know, they you – know, like I met um, the beautiful little Rachel Leacart who's the um, visually impaired girl who was on The Voice. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's a really big icon here in she's South She's an Adelaide girl. South she's from where we live. And, you know, we invited her to come talk to a group of teenagers in a school, um, just a really sort of intimate gathering. And she was very candid about what it meant to be losing her sight through her primary and high school years and what that meant in the schoolyard and how she got into the music industry and how she, you know, you might say she was on more of a back foot than your average person to go in and and try and get her foot in the door of the music industry, but she saved her pennies. She did all the right things. She got herself into a studio. She hired the time. She asked the right people to help her. She made a demo. She put the work in. But look what I'm saying here. Steps, steps, steps. She was a teenager saving her pennies. Yeah, there's so many. There's always a story it's behind like She them. just rocked up on TV, got famous. You think this is what people think. This is what they think. They believe that, you know, and, and for every single overnight sensation, I can guarantee you, is 10 years of hard work underneath it. Look at Naomi can, Watts as well. She, for 10 years, she went to auditions and nobody wanted a bar of her and she wasn't until she was in her 30s that she finally started to crack the Hollywood roles that made people pay attention to her. That's the age they tell most women in their 30s, you're washed up, don't even yeah, try the done. game. So she, she, you know, who was who was the other one? Who It was the guy from Twilight, Edward Cullen, the day before his Twilight audition, he actually almost quit acting for good and said, that's it, I've done everything I can do in this career. It's led me nowhere. Every door is closed. I've got no more energy and I'm actually going to go into a safer, middle-of-society, boring, suburban career and be happy, secure and safe. He nearly went into the comfort zone. Yeah, but he giving went to, up. He would give up. But there's the law so of unattachment, too. isn't it? That's he right. went to the, that final audition the next day and look where he is now. Mm. So it just goes to show mm. there's a bit of perseverance mixed in with this small step stuff as well. You know, I used to always say with dancers, you know, because a, a really good 
professional dancer is likely to not be under 25. You know, they usually, it's in their late 20s that they really have a lot to give as a professional dancer. And I would say, you know, there's been 20 years of training. Mm. You know, you can get a PhD in seven you think really? I know. People you know, twenty realize. years of training, and but there's all those stories of you when know, people say, "I would love to be able to pian- play the piano like you do," and and some great famous pianist said, "No, you'd like to be able to play the piano like I do if it was easy." You know, or the golfer that said, "You know, somebody said I'd give up, I'd give my life to be able to play golf like you," and he said, "Well, I did." I you love know? it, and I and remember this- all those years as a choreographer when oh. I was watching all of my friends jumping on planes and going for holidays in Bali and come on Jane you come you come no I had the sacrifices you've got to make the sacrifices we're kind of getting a little off topic though but, but that two is things part- I want to oh okay say, please do she's bursting I am the first one is I once heard a story of a, a very normal average suburban person who said I want to be able to play Rachmaninoff meaning they wanted to be able to play one of the most complicated piano works in the world and they had no piano training whatsoever now, this is a superb example of chunking it down. So what they did was they taught themselves one bar at a time and it wasn't until she mastered just the bar that she would go to the next one. And so she mastered the entire, what is it, concerto, one bar at a time wow. and put it all together with no piano wow. training. So extreme example, but this kind of but thing that is possible. Perfect. Now, I love Jane talking about the golfer because he said, I did give up my life. Yes. Now, Sometimes we sit here with our kids or our husbands or our lives or whatever and we're trying to segue across to our purpose or we want to do this or we want to have this amazing whatever it is, passion. And we, so we have our role models that we look to. That person's gone ahead in the field and I want to be like them. That's who I'm aspiring to be. And it's like, you know what? You don't have their life. They have a completely different life to you. They, for example, may not have children. They may have dedicated 100 hours a week for the last 15 years. They may have a nanny or a gardener or a chauffeur. You don't know. They may have um, a different background or different conditions or different ins and outs of the industry. They just might have a different way that their week is set up, which you're never going to have in this lifetime. So make sure once again that your goals are realistically arranged around what is possible for you with what you've got to work with. Combined with what sacrifices are you prepared to pay? So, for example, you know, I am really proud of the fact that I have such a flexible lifestyle that I can drop everything and, and, and go to a children's sports day or a performance or tournament or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I'll often get told you're so lucky and I think, yes, but you see, I've seen you on Facebook. You go to tennis days. You go out for lunches. I'd love to be doing that but I've chosen to do this instead of that. I don't do lunches. Now, I'm actually changing that. I'm moving into a point where I actually only want to work three days, four days a week. I want to do lunches. I want to go to tennis days. So I'm making those changes. But what am I going to sacrifice as a result? Well, actually, I'm not going to sacrifice anything. I'm working smart. (laughs) Smarter, not harder at this point in your life. Exactly. But you've worked many, many long, hard decades to to earn this. I have. I've I've had my own businesses since I was 21 years old, so I've done 30 years. Um, so you do need to look at that as well, that there is going to be sacrifices. But funnily enough, they're not actually as bad as you think they are. You can imagine them as being worse than they actually are. So what about me getting up in the morning and going for a walk? What was the sacrifice? Oh, I've got all these emails. I've got to get on the computer and do these emails. We have this illusion around time that's really quite weird because somehow that hasn't been affected. And then I chose to um, have more family time, so I chose to turn my computer off at a certain time of day. 
but somehow the work's still all being done. It's like we've talked about somehow the bills all get paid. You know, we have to come back to faith that if we make a commitment and we're showing up and we're doing the steps that are, are small enough to make us feel good, that everything falls into alignment. See, the sickness in our society is that everyone wants everything, but nobody wants to actually do the work. You know, there are a handful of people that I've come across in my professional and personal life who are actually highly efficient, highly organised and do what they say they're going to do. Now, that's one of the reasons why I'm sitting next to Jane right now. Jane, you can blush now because I'm going to call oh. like, Because what I'm saying is I have got to the point, and I'm only 35, where I refuse to waste my time with people who dither around and are lazy. I can't handle it. It's the one thing. It's like, I'm sorry, I want to go places and I want to get shit done. If you're going to work with me, fantastic. If you're not, I've literally got less than three strikes and you're out, you know? <laughs> and I can only at this point in my life deal with friendships, relationships, business, personal, professional, whatever, where people deliver. If they say, um, I'll see you on Monday, they will be there on Monday. If they say, I'll email you that when I leave, they will email me that when they leave. I have got not no time for anyone who doesn't. I'm sorry. I just think that people are incredibly bone deep lazy and or they're doing a lot of self-sabotaging with regards to just pulling their finger out and getting on with it. We, we seem to just be, be able to get away with so much lazy behaviour. Do you vibe with any of this? Yeah, day? look, I think that comes from busyness. We've got the um, the industry of busyness or the, the, the society of busy. How I'm too busy, I'm busy, busy, busy. And that's a numbing out. So when you're busy, you actually don't, you don't feel your emotions. When you don't feel your emotions, you don't feel a new desire. But busy is not so, actually doing anything. It's pushing. It's like when you pretend you're eating dinner and you push some stuff around from one yes, side of the plate to the other right. side of the plate. It's a numbing out. Yeah. It is the same as, you know, drinking alcohol or whatever. You're numbing out. So if you are busy, busy, but you're not actually getting anywhere, it's because you are being busy because you're too scared to feel what you really are feeling. Right. That if you... Give yourself some quiet time. Well, let's come back two minute, two minute meditation twice a day. I think that's it. Once, no, once every two days. Uh, once every, sorry, once every two days. If you, if you do give yourself some alone time to be able to really assess what is it I'm feeling, then you're going to likely come up with something that you're unhappy with. That that unhappiness leads you to a new desire. And as you lead to that new desire and that desire is fueled with further focus and expansion of the vision that you're desiring, it gives rise to the motivation to do the steps that it takes to get there. Suddenly, you're a doer and not just being. You've got to know the why. There's that fantastic book by Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. Oh, I haven't heard this one. Um, called, I can't remember if it's got the word why in it. God, please, I'll Google it and put it up under this episode when it comes out. Um, but it's about the fact that every successful business in the world, the reason that they have a, a really warmly resonating tribe and a vision and such, you know, a magnetism about them is because they understand what the why is in what they're doing. And you need to know what your why is too. Don't just do something because you're doing it or because you've always done it. Why? What is the why for you, for the client, for the customer, for the product, for your future? What is the why? And you've got to, you've got to get that straight. I'm jumping around a bit here, but Jane keeps saying things that ping me off, off my brain into all these tangents. <laughs> so when she was saying before, we're talking about busyness and we're saying 
it's actually incredibly easy to do stuff all the time but actually do nothing at all. That's right, achieve nothing. And that's why I think partly why Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week book was such a hit because it slapped people in the face and it said, do you know what? You could actually boil down the amount of real actual work you're doing to just a few intense hours and knock it all off. And what are you going to do with the rest of your time? It's very confronting to people. It's actually quite confronting. Um, I actually need to read that book again because yeah. I loved it, but it's a lot of years since I read it. What was it? The four-hour four manager. four-hour work week. Work week, that's right. Um, there was another one that was the something or other manager. Oh, he's done there? so many spin-offs on, on the four-hour, four-week body, or like all these different sorts of things he's done. Mm. Now, look, Tim Ferriss is a controversial figure because I have definitely heard people say, yeah, that's great for Tim Ferriss. As in, once again, he's got a certain life. I don't have that kind of life. Or they say, yeah, but you take bits from it. You, you take bits from this it. Is, this is the, this is what we're talking about. The experts that give you the ideal, mm. but then you take the bits from it that are going to help you. Instead of having a forty-hour week, maybe have a thirty-six-hour week. Right, right. You right, know, and right. this is what I'm saying about my my goal is that I've got interim steps, chunking it down. Um, because the other thing that they say is just be careful because Tim might be referring to the fact that those four hours are the four hours of the bit that he gets to do the pure joy part and the rest is actually the stuff that he it, – it's like – It's the, the slot. Yeah, the slot. The four hours is the bit that he doesn't define as work but the rest of it actually is the work. And Tim himself works about 100 hours a week to be Tim because he's famous for a reason. He works harder than anyone you could ever hope to meet. Mm. He's a very hard-working mm. man. Doesn't, as far as I know, have a wife, children or attachments, so maybe he can. Now, again, got to be realistic about what you're working with here, but I think that book is actually a great pairing for this um, episode. Yeah, I agree. Mm. And while we're on the topic of work, because we've got so many listeners that are really wanting to set up their own businesses, yeah. you know, they've got they've got their Follow soul their work that they're wanting yeah. to do, and and you know, usually in wellness, holistic healing, you know, some sort of coaching or. And I have met so many clients that have not that are wanting to embrace their joy, and they want this business that we've and we've talked about this in other podcasts, but the fear of income is such a big one etc and as you know I'm a massive fan of just start part-time and I would say even forget how you're going to earn your money start with a blog just start with a blog so if you've got a dream that you've got something that you've got to say or teach or share and most of you are going to be you know leaders teachers or healers all of this stuff can be blogged so if you do I'm putting a challenge out to you you've got 48 hours to get a WordPress blog up and it doesn't need to look brilliant. It's not about the logo. It's not about how gorgeous it looks. Don't be the perfectionist. That's just a distraction. Chunk it right down. Get your first article up with a little statement about what you're about. Right. And it's up in 48 hours. And I'd love it if you shared it with us. Yeah. I'd like to read them. Yeah. But you just start. And then as you do that, you start to fuel your passion and you, you'll find that in a few days, oh, I'd like to write an article about this. Up goes the next blog. You start to then share it with your friends who a few of them like it and they share it with their friends and now you've got a bit of a tribe growing. And now somebody says, I really like what, you, um, what you've what you been writing about. Look, I really need some help. Do you do any one-on-one coaching? Oh, my God, do I? Oh, do I, I don't know, do I? Yes, of course you do. If they like your stuff, they want your wisdom. So then you just say, yes, I can Skype you. I can have a phone conversation with you. I can meet you at a coffee shop. Oh, how much do you charge? All right, you're going to start small because you don't feel worthy. You will move up in your worth as you gain in confidence. Oh, I charge $50 and it's for an hour and off you go. Just start. Don't worry about the end goals of how to have a four-hour 
brilliant working week or how to write that business plan or how to be the Facebook marketing guru. No, just start. Absolutely. And, you know, another secret in business, which few people really realise is, and it's connected a bit to what I was saying before about um, just sort of laziness, is very few people out there actually do the extra 2 or 3%. And if you do that little extra 2 or 3%, a couple of those extra steps to just push yourself a bit further, you're actually already well ahead of most of the population. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, there's a great speech on YouTube um, by New York Times bestseller Matthew Hussey where he talks about how when he was a young gun, he was at, sitting at uni in a lecture and some big real estate gurus came in from Asia. And they were, they were London, a London firm based in Asia. And they said, we're looking to employ five young kids to take over to our huge Shanghai office, make your fortune. Write us an essay. And all the kids in the lecture were going, oh, amazing. We want to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Matthew went home and he wrote an essay. And he came back the next day and he said to his mates, what, what did you do yours on? And they all said, oh, mate, I didn't. I haven't done it yet. Uh-huh. Matthew did the essay. Guess what? Matthew went to China. Matthew gets to China. He's sitting in a room full of people speaking Mandarin. He's got no idea what to do. He's winging it. And then one of the biggest wigs of the whole, like, Southeast Asian division comes in. Again, it's a London guy. He's flown there. The London guy walks in. He looks around and he says, um, I need someone to show me around. I need someone to take me to the big shopping districts. Matthew jumps up and goes over to him and he says, um, yeah, I'll take you. I'll be your tour guide. He has no idea anything about Shanghai or what he's doing. <laughs> He goes over to say, fake it till you make he's it. He's faking it till he makes it. But what he's doing is he's showing he's initiative showing, yeah. over the pack. Yeah. There's people who've been sitting in that office for 12 years who didn't put their hand up, but Matthew did, and he winged it. This isn't always the wisest thing to do. Sometimes you can get burnt here. But he went off to a corner. He said to one of the blokes, uh, mate, can you just tell me what the biggest shopping um, mall is near here? Can you write it down in Chinese characters? The man wrote it down. He took the big How wig. How resourceful. He took the big wig downstairs to the taxi. He showed it to the taxi driver. He said, take us here. The big wig and him went to the shopping mall. We walked around and asked him all these questions about yields and real estate space and all this, which Matthew didn't really know. He ad-libbed a bit. And after a while, steered the conversation, and they began to chat like friends. Next thing you know, Matthew's got one of the top jobs back in London because he is in with the biggest wig of the whole company wow. because he went the extra 1%. Wow. Now, this is often how it happens in the big corporate games, but if you bring it back down to your ordinary life, do you not realise the amount, the momentous change and miracles that can happen in your life if you just do something that you didn't do yesterday and if you keep doing it? I want to bring this back to love as well. So, so many of our listeners are single. I mean, lots aren't, but lots are. And, you know, I get the emails of, you know, they want to meet somebody. Where are you going? What are you doing? What are you doing about? Are you actively meeting people? Are you saying yes to social opportunities? Are you going out there? Or are you waiting for the pizza boy to deliver the door, the pizza and be tall, dark and handsome, Mr. Spiritual Guru that's going to sweep you off your feet? <laughs> you know, it, it, you got to show up. But you just have to chunk it down to bite steps. Instead of showing up and wanting to meet the Prince Charming, you show up with the intent of, I want to have a good time. Like my girlfriend you says, know? you can't go into an ice cream store and just wish for chocolate. Like you actually have to do that with that yeah. proactiveness, right? Yes. And like as Einstein said, the definition of stupid is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If you're not putting any change or steps or proactive self-discipline or willpower or effort into anything, don't even talk to us. Don't even talk to us. 
Well, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Beck. <laughs> Beck's a hard guns today. I mean, it's like, come on. So, look, I guess this has sort of turned into a bit of a motivational podcast, really, and I've got loads to say on that. However, I really want the point to be is that you need to just look at your baby steps and make sure that you are taking a baby step every day in the direction that you're wanting to head and feel good about that baby step. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter what it is. Are you wanting to spring clean your home? Are you looking around your home thinking there's clutter everywhere? I don't know where to start. In fact, that was me a few weeks ago. I just went, you're kidding me? Hasn't been done for two years. It's desperate to be done. And I actually started and actually got so overwhelmed that I actually stopped and didn't do anything. But the next weekend I went, right, now I'm just going to tackle this corner of this room. Well, I actually got the whole room done. Felt amazing. You chunked it down. Amazing. I chunked it right down. But then I did that little bit and went, oh, I'm going to keep going. Yeah. So I actually then chunked it up and kept going until I'd had enough for the day. Four and a half hours later, I had this amazing room. Right. And it always makes me laugh when I do this. Suddenly the whole family all wants to sit in that room. (laughs) You know, the dog's in there. If the chickens could get in there, they would. (laughs) I know. Um, And so now I feel really good. Now I have to remind myself too that the things that I often find I have blockages on, somehow I have told myself that they take too long. I don't have the time. Now I've noticed that if I want to clean my kitchen, it actually only takes 20 minutes. And you could listen to a podcast while you're doing it and prove your mind, Jane. Yeah, that's true too. (laughs) I now know that I actually can clean up the messiest room in four and a half hours. Right. Whereas the illusion is that it's going to take days. Suck up your whole weekend. Yeah, that's it. And I don't don't wish to do that. Mm. So have a look at your illusion around time Mm. of what it is you think you need to do to achieve. And if you're overwhelmed by time, then chunk it down. Chunk everything right down to baby steps. Do them, commit to it, make it happen. There's one cool other little story. Jack Canfield, he did the chicken soup for the soul books, which everybody knows. Oh, yes. Yeah. He, um, the way that he got that book known by the general population at a high level is that every single day for a year, he just did one thing, one thing to promote it, whether it was flicked off an email or called a radio station or sent a letter or dropped, is a, free, that right? dropped a free copy off. He just did oh, one. It's time for me to do something with my book. That's 365 actions. And then he did more years' worth of that. And it just goes to show, just think how powerful that is. One thing for a year, just on one subject matter, it's one area. Brilliant. Let's send it through the roof. I like that. I like it a lot. I recognise the importance of interim steps towards my end goal. And we support all of you in your end goals. Please keep joining us on the couch, thewellnesscouch.com, every Wednesday for the Love Life Show where we do help you with your lives your relationships, your emotions, your blocks, your passions. Jane and I are here. We're here privately in coaching. Jane? janedonovan.com.au And psychic readings and emotional work with me at rebeccadetman.com. And, of course, we're on iTunes. Please message and star and vote and comment and do all the things that you're supposed to do on social media to help spread the love out further and further to more and more people to get them all part of our tribe so we can all keep affecting global change together. And until this time next week, I'm Jane Donovan. You have a gorgeous, gorgeous week. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.